it's it's a concept that I think solves a lot of problems that a lot of restaurant and hospitality operators have with waste and labor, uh, poor data analytics. So I think all those reasons uh, we're seeing a lot of growth with our franchise brand because when you look at our unit economics of how our locations run, they're outperforming a lot of the larger brands that don't use this type of technology. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. It's me, your co-host, typically, Christian Dadalak. Uh, today, we don't have Dan Claps, but that's perfectly fine because we do have an amazing guest. Joseph Toda was a founder of Tapville. And uh, as usual, I'm not going to dive into uh, Joseph's uh, background and bio. I'm going to let him do it all himself because he has a pretty cool story and a really awesome concept. So uh, first and foremost, Joseph, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you coming on the show and excited to talk to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to to share our story. Perfect, perfect. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to hear it. Um, I know we were talking offline a little bit and you seem to have a pretty, pretty fantastic concept. But even before we dive into the concept and how awesome it is, I just wanted to get a little bit of background on you. What's your story? Where did you come from? How did you come up with the concept? Yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, so I'm you know, at the heart of what I do is, is, is being an entrepreneur. Um, about seven or eight years ago, I was, uh, I was a management consultant, you know, working a nine to five job, like, and I, and I enjoyed it. I was working with a lot of uh, food and beverage clients. So really large brands that are in the restaurant industry. And I was seeing that there were a lot of problems in the restaurant industry, you know, finding good, uh, you know, staff members, waste in the industry, lack of uh, data analytics to run their operation. And that's at a point in time where I uh, developed my own concept called Tapville. It's a technology forward hospitality operation and opened my first location, um, left my day job and started running a, a tap room, basically. And then after a few years, um, we had a lot of success. We got a lot of requests for franchising and we started franchising after a few years. And, and now we're on, on a rapid growth trajectory. Uh, we're about to open location number 18 next week. And I think we're in 10 states. We'll be in 12 states in the next few months. And it's just been a great growth. So I got to be a consultant, then an entrepreneur. And now I get to help other entrepreneurs reach their dreams. So it's just a perfect uh, fit for myself. So. I love it. And that's what I get to do too. That's what Dan does. And so we we share that passion, helping people get into business, live the American dream, which I, I think really is at the end of the day, entrepreneurship and building a business. So I think that's awesome. Um, what is the concept? I mean, obviously Tapville, yeah. I think many people can imagine what it is, yeah. but what it, what is the concept? What is it? What does it do? And yeah, so, tell if, us about that. so if you ever go to a restaurant and you you're waiting for a beer, it's a busy night and you can't get a beer. Um, because the bartender's busy, uh, we solve that problem. You come into one of our restaurant locations and we give you a card. You put the card into a tap wall. We've got about 48 taps and you can just pour your own beer, you know, pay for an ounce or pay for a pint. So it's a it's ability for a customer to to try their own options on a tap wall. We, um, we also have a, a table tablet ordering. So if you ever go into a restaurant and you're waiting for your server, to place an order for you here, you can just place the order on a tablet. It goes right to the kitchen and then a server will bring it out to you. So we're solving a lot of the problems uh, 
in the restaurant industry. So basically, the, the concept is a full-service restaurant using technology to create a better guest experience. Uh, and that's only our first concept, Christian. There's other ones. Um, that's our full-service restaurant. The second one is, um, have you ever been shopping at a mall and you're just, you just want to have a beer or a, a cocktail? Uh, we solve that problem in shopping malls. So we basically take these mini kiosks. Um, there's a person that works there, and we offer drinks while you shop. So you can get a craft beer, you can get a mimosa or a cocktail and walk around the malls. So we have about 12 of those locations and, and growing. And then the third concept we have is, um, you ever been at a festival and it took a long time to get a beer from a bartender? We can bring in a mobile tap room with 16 taps that are all self-pour, and you can get your beer really fast. So we're kind of taking a technology concept, putting it into three different formats and growing into different markets through franchising. So really cool concept if, if you like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I definitely like that kind of stuff. And I think that, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not a super big shopper. And so it is nice to have a drink in hand or if I'm with friends or you know some, some gal pals or whatever, and they're wanting to shop. It's nice to, to be able to have a beer in hand, which I think is so cool. And it's it sounds like something that really hasn't been done or at least hasn't been done at scale like you guys are doing. So I think that's uh, pretty amazing. And I love that there's different ownership options, different ownership models, because obviously I'm sure a full service restaurant, much you know higher investment than a kiosk or the mobile option. So I like that there's a, a pathway for different types of entrepreneurs that are at different stages, different financial levels, that they can still participate in your brand. And there's, there's options for everybody, which I, I really think is, is great. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, the concepts, um, like you said, there's different types of owners and entrepreneurs, but we try to tie them all together with technology and also our core values in our company. We, uh, we have some core values that we hold pretty near and dear to our hearts here at Tapville. And we try to find entrepreneurs that join our system that share those core values. And that kind of ties the whole system together. Um, it's also a path for growth. So you may own a kiosk business in a mall and then eventually own your restaurant. So there is a, a growth path for entrepreneurs to grow more locations. So it is kind of unique. And the brand really works together. If you have a, a brick and mortar restaurant in a city and there's a local mall that has a location, it doesn't cannibalize the business. It helps support the brand. So it's kind of a unique way that we fast put this brand together. So. Well, exactly, because the person that's going to eat at the full-service restaurant, um, that's a different type of person. You're meeting them at a different place in their day than the person that's operating the, the mall kiosk. So mm -hmm. I, I love that. It's true. It doesn't really cannibalize at all. And yeah, if I was a franchisee that owned the full-service option, I would say, and you told me, hey, we're gonna, we have someone that's interested in opening up the mall kiosk option, I'd be like, Awesome, because like you said, that's going to support the brand and there's going to be more brand recognition and, and that's just going to help everybody. So I love that that's such a win-win scenario and I love that people can get in at the, at the mobile option or the mall kiosk option and then scale up from there. Um, I, I think that that's awesome. And you know, the whole thing today is you know, inclusivity, right? So yeah. it's very, very inclusive. It allows people to get into, uh, into franchising and business ownership and then work their way up. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, one of the other unique things is um, in the in the hospitality industry, data um, analytics and optimizations traditionally been a challenge for you know a lot of restaurant brands, especially if, if you're if you're a large restaurant brand and you want to put tap walls in your in your 800 locations, it's very difficult to scale that out to an existing system. 
So all the things that we're building as we're growing this brand are very scalable and, and um, it helps us differentiate. And one of the ways that we differentiate really well is, is the data analytics. So if you come into one of our establishments, you know, we can see, you know, how much beer you pour, what beers you like. And there's a lot of data that we can get from that and then use it to acquire new customers or retain you as a customer. So we get so much data that we still don't know what to do with it, but it's a really great way to um, look at a business and figure out how to market uh, to different customer segments. And that's something that a lot of brands um, don't have access to that data. And that's kind of how we differentiate a lot right now in, in the market. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would think, obviously, I'm not an expert in this field, but I would think that that would help with inventory management too, right? Because if you see that your customer base loves, you know, beers X, Y, and Z, you know, that, you know, to keep ordering those on a, on a you know, a, a more regular schedule than some of the other options you have. Yeah. Or, or even better, let's say you come in quite a bit and you, you keep pouring IPAs and you love IPAs. Um, and then you go on to Facebook a day later, or Instagram, you may start seeing ads from us about IPAs. So we can micro segment all of our customers based on what they like and their preferences to market to them. So it does help with not only the inventory, which you're exactly right, but it's also the marketing component of it. Um, if you like to pour a lot of wine when you come in, because we have wine dispensers, you'll see more wine ads or something like that. So there's a lot of uh, microanalytics that we can do with the data to acquire new customers. So that's kind of how we how we think of the model. Plus, it's just easier. If you've gone to a restaurant, waiting for a, a drink can be really a pain point. Waiting for a server, it, labor is very hard right now to hire people. So we kind of solve a lot of those problems with technology. And we do it in a way that um, we can train franchisees and operators on how to use our systems and replicate them so they can be very consistent. So we have a really good training program that we put in place and some of the best trainers, I, I think, in the U.S. that work for us. So that's amazing. Yeah, I, and I would I would think for the for the mall and the mobile kiosk, I mean, the labor requirement for the for those models must be pretty low. I mean, relative to other you know food or uh, beverage concepts, right? Because it's all self serve, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Exactly right. We were uh, we were at the Houston Rodeo a few weeks ago, um, and it's it's a large event. Houston Rodeo gets a hundred thousand people a day on the weekends. And we had one of our operators down there with the, with the mobile tap room and imagine being in, you know, at the rodeo and that's all people do is drink at the rodeo. They sold over 115,000 ounces of beer in, within like a week or so. So with two people working, so imagine like the labor costs there because the customer is really doing all the work. So, um, it was a lot of cops. I'll tell you that. So. I, I can imagine. So how does that work then for the for the customer? Do they get like a wristband or, or do they get a certain amount of polls that they get? Or how do you guys monitor yeah. how much they're paying? So, um, you know, in a normal restaurant, you, you come in, they seat you, you open up a tab and then you pay your bill at the end. When you come into our concept, you know, we take reservations like in our restaurants. Um, we give you an RFID card that's uh, synchronized with your credit card. And then you can take this RFID card, we call it a pour pass, and you could pour whatever you want off the tap wall. You can order your food. And then when you're ready to leave, you can just drop the card off in an express checkout, or you can get a, a receipt and just walk right out, almost like the new Amazon stores. So it makes it really easy for the guest. And that pour pass keeps track of what they pour in their visit. So. Yeah, and it makes it easier for the employees too. So they just charge them up front, right? They collect mm -hmm. the credit card information. And then 
customer does the rest. Exactly right. It, you know, for guests, it's a little, you know, it's a little different why they're taking my card up front, but we save them like five or 10 minutes on the back end, waiting for a check, signing a check. It really saves them a lot of time. And then, you know, a lot of our customers, you know, when they want to leave, they don't have to wait for a server to, to, to wrap up their, their check. They can just walk out. So it really makes it a lot easier for the guests too, and the guests appreciate it. So it works like that at the full service option as well. Yeah, full service, or if you're at the mobile, you just walk up and get a card, and you you have a card that you can use, and it's synced to your credit card. And we, of course, we have a membership program. Everybody has a loyalty program. Um, you can join our Tapville membership. It's free, and then you keep your card. It's a it's a black card. And you can load value on it with a mobile app. Um, you can use it at any location, and it's kind of like a your 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 poor pass to beer wherever you go. So that's funny. It reminds me of those family fun parks. We have one out here where I live that yeah, you just load up a bunch of money onto a card and you know use it for video games. Yeah. But this is a little bit more fun, at least for adults, where you're loading up for beer, for wine, and, and for cocktails. Yeah, and. Um, so it's, it's, it's a concept that I think solves a lot of problems that a lot of restaurant and hospitality operators have with waste and labor, uh, poor data analytics. So I think all those reasons, uh, we're seeing a lot of growth with our franchise brand. Because when you look at our unit economics of how our locations run, they're outperforming a lot of the larger brands that don't use this type of technology. And we're not even at scale where we get you know the buying power of you know Buffalo Wild Wings or somebody. We, we get less buying power, but our unit economics are much better. So we kind of see that we often say at, at Tatville, like we believe in a better way. We, we feel like what we're doing is, is going to be the future of the hospitality industry. And we're right at the beginning of where the changes are going. So. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And a lot of people, people that I speak with as a franchise consultant, candidates that are looking to buy into a brand, a lot of people, you know, initially, you know, I'm sure years ago, people would, that's what they think about when they think franchising. They think food and food concepts. From the pandemic, a lot of people have gotten a little bit nervous about that. But what I tell them is, look, you shouldn't necessarily completely poo-poo uh, food. It just depends on the model. And more and more, the you know these food concepts are adapting. Newer food concepts, emerging food concepts like you guys are, um, although I'm sure it won't be that way for long. You guys seem to be doing pretty well with your 18th location and everything. But um, but but I love what you guys are doing because it is these, these, the technology, the, like you're saying, you're cutting back on waste and labor. This really does create a better model, a better food option that, and ultimately that contributes to better AUV, average unit economics, um, than some of these other larger brands. And, and so I would say to people don't necessarily write food off or these types of businesses off because it depends on the model. And if there's innovation there, like there obviously is here. There's there's an opportunity because at the end of the day, if you can deliver a better customer experience, that's the brand that's going to win. And it sounds like you guys are doing that in spades. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, to your point, you know, in a way, you know, I help with franchise development, just like a lot of our team members do. We, we get quite a few leads a week, hundreds of leads a week. Um, and we do our own we do our own marketing. We have a lot of different channels where we get, you know, leads that come in. But we're, we're a growing brand and, you know, we're trying to find the right operators in our system. And, and we say no all the time. We're not going to try to, you know, if you, if you have a goal, we're not going to try to make, you know, our business your goal, right? We're going to say what we think and whether or not you're going to be a good fit for our brand. Um, but it, it's interesting because, you know, the food concepts, you know, 
a lot of folks are scared of them, right? And, and with good reason, the pandemic and everything else. But for some people, it's a great fit. It just depends on the operator, depends on what they want to do. Um, like our mobile business, it's a mobile taproom business. You know, we're not doing a lot of events at Monday at 10 o'clock, you know, in the morning, right? They're always weekend events. So that's a business where we have some uh, franchise operators. It's it's a side hustle for the weekends that they operate, but they have a day job, right? But if you own a restaurant, you know, you're going to be working, you know, five days a week if you're going to be the, the general manager or, or more. So it really depends. And we've got a lot of models that work for different needs. But what we try to do when we select uh, entrepreneurs and franchise operators is just to let them know what they're getting into, right? We don't want any surprises, um, you know, once they've already signed a franchise agreement. So we really try to do a good job of educating them and what it's like. And you do that through discovery days and talking to other, you know, owner operators in our system. So that's kind of our, our, our philosophy right now with, with trying to find operators is to kind of educate them. A hundred percent. And that's, that's what I try to do yeah. too, right? I mean, you talk to so many different people and it's, they'll ask you, Christian, what's the best opportunity? What's the best franchise, hottest franchise, most profitable franchise? And I always pause and push back a little bit. I say, look, it's not necessarily yeah. about what's the hottest brand, but it's about what's the hottest brand for you. It's about the match. It's about the mutual matching, right? And just because you like a brand doesn't mean they like you. It's a mutual vetting mm -hmm. and interview process, right? So people need to consider that. And it's about finding the right fit, not about what's hot at the end of the day. So I, I love that. Um, so I guess on that note, then like who, who is that ideal candidate for you guys? Who is the right kind of person for one, you know, any, any one of the, the yeah. three different models that you guys offer? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start with the mobile taproom business. Cause that's, uh, the ideal candidate is somebody who as much as you put in, you're going to get out. You know, they're going to ask me, well, how much can I make, you know, doing that business? And we, we have to, you know, disclose through item 19, but it's like, well, how many events do you want to do? Do you want to be doing an event or two events a weekend? Do you want to do an event every other weekend? So it depends on, you know, how much you put into it. Ideally for us, it's somebody who um, maybe has a complimentary business. We have a few franchise partners that own catering businesses. One owns a food truck business. So that's kind of a very common way that they can easily add a mobile tap room to that business. Um, we also look for people that, um, you know, it, they don't have to be full time on this, especially up north. You can't have events. You're in California, but up in Chicago, there's no events happening in February outside. It's cold. Right. So it's a seasonal business. So you can shut down for the season. So you have to, they may have to have another source of income for this type of operation. Um, but those are the types of people we look for. We look for entrepreneurs that are looking for ways to network in their communities. Um, we chose franchising for our mobile business because what better way to get into a community than the people that live there and, and know everybody, right? Um, this is a business that couldn't be run corporately where you have corporate mobile tap rooms because you wouldn't know what to do in those communities. Um, for our kiosk business, it's different. It's somebody who wants a business where customers come to them. And in shopping malls and airports, it's the customers are there. They just have to be able to staff it and follow our procedures. They may have another business in the mall. We have a few folks that, you know, they're in malls. They have a few food concepts within the same mall, and they're just adding a third or fourth concept. So those work really well. Then the restaurant business, um, that's a bigger operation, higher capital requirements. It might be somebody that um, we do have some uh, restaurant owners that hire a general manager and are semi-absentee. We're, we're okay with that for the restaurant if we've approved their general manager. Other ones, they're the general manager that operate the restaurant. And that's a business that requires a lot more hands-on if you're running a you know a 45, 
to 5,000 square foot restaurant, it requires, you know, a lot of hands-on. So, um, so there's a couple different, you know, types of operators that we see in our concept. That's awesome. Well, I love the flexibility of it. Someone that uh, if I want it to be a side hustle and you're not holding them, their feet to the fire and saying, no, you need to be doing two events a weekend, every weekend. And yeah, you can take, you know, the off season off because of, you know, if you're in Chicago, for example, but no, I love that, you know, do as much or as little as you'd like is what it sounds like for the, <laughs> the mobile option. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button and make sure to connect with the franchise founders podcast on LinkedIn. So, that, and I think when, when, when we talk to folks, you know, buying a franchise is not like buying stocks, right? You know, that's, that's one way you, you don't have as much of, it's really about buying a business that you want to get involved in that you're passionate about, that you feel like you're going to get excited. And, and maybe there was a reason why you left your other profession or your other job. This, so we have to make sure we you can find your passion in this business. And if you can't, we can recommend other, you know, options for you, maybe not with us, but so we're just trying to like educate people when we, you know, we bring them onto our system. So. That's awesome. I think that's fantastic. So I wanted to pivot a little bit and dive into how you guys originally got started because yeah. you off, offline, you shared with me something that I thought was incredible and is very atypical within franchising. Yeah. And uh, I forget the name of the company you shared, but yeah. basically you guys helped fund the the franchise model, your initial expansion with uh, through crowdfunding. Yeah. So how did that work? And tell us the story behind that. Yeah. So um, back in, well, the, I started out the concept with one location and then it, it became successful. There were a lot of requests to franchise. Uh, we didn't franchise immediately. We wanted to make sure we had all the numbers operating and the unit economics working. And then around right. 2019, uh, 2020, we released an FDD and started franchising after we've been operating for three years. Um, well, when you're when you're trying to grow a brand um, in a franchise brand, you need you need to raise capital to to build out your training program. You hire your sales, your development team. So we actually launched a campaign on uh, an equity crowdfunding. A platform called Start Engine, and Start Engine is uh, most mostly everybody recognizes you know Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from uh, Shark Tank. He's their spokesperson, and we we launched a campaign and we raised about a million and a half dollars on that site. Now we didn't use the million and a half to build store locations. We built it. We use it to build our infrastructure to support our growth. So uh, we added twenty five hundred investors. Uh, some are actually franchisees. So it was a really great way to build a brand and then also build the the reserves that we needed to help support our franchisees. So it was one of the first franchise brands to use equity crowdfunding. I mean, you can invest for as little as $200 on that that, that platform and buy some stock in, in Tapville. So That's crazy, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, that's definitely not something that people normally do. But I like that you guys, obviously, you prove the concept first and then you're like, okay, we're getting a lot of requests. Our model is successful, the, you know, the corporate location. Maybe we should franchise this thing, but I love I love seeing creative ways that people find a franchise their business and and doing it through crowdfunding. I mean, do you think that's going to happen more and more? Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking to equity as, as VC money and P money has been a little bit tight right now. I think people are looking at these different ways. Um, what better way to build a brand than people that you know love your brand? I mean, uh, our customers were investing, our franchisees were investing. We found new franchise partners through it. Um, I mean, it was kind of a unique thing. Like 
you could invest for as little as $200. So we had these little like pamphlets at the restaurant locations where you could scan a QR code and make an investment. So that was part of the spiel for some of our servers. Would you like an appetizer or some equity to start your, your meal? So uh, we were getting a lot of the customers investing as well. So just kind of cool. So That's so smart. And it's funny. It's a funny way to yeah. engage them, but but it's but it's legitimate. I mean, that, that's so freaking awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um. So you. So then you guys, you know, use that to help get the company up and running. Mm-hmm. Um. Tell us about your team a little bit. I mean, you mentioned that you're in Chicago yeah. and you're very close to the McDonald's yeah. headquarters and everything, right? Yeah. So tell us about that and the kind of people you have. Yeah, we have. Um. I'm at, today. I'm at Tapville University. It's our training center. This is one of our training walls behind us. It's a tap wall. Um. We're in Oak Brook, Illinois. Um. Our headquarters is in Naperville. It's another suburb. A little little ways away, but the McDonald's uh, training center used to be across the street from us. And I've got a team of 12 people now that support our franchisees. So everything from our head of ops, um, our head of training to uh, franchise development, marketing, um, and then some other support roles. Like we have an executive chef that's on staff that does all of our menu development. So a pretty big team that supports our franchisees. But um but really, it, it all spawned from you know that that crowdfunding campaign, and then just finding really good people that believe in our brands, and I and I and like a lot of our staff members that work here just like really you know model our core values and really want to support our franchisees, and like they're here because they want to be here. So it's a really cool work environment. We have a really good culture here, and we try to pass that on and right to our franchisees as well when they come in and we help open their stores. So. I like, I always like talking to entrepreneurs about building the right team because at the end of the day, that's something that even the franchisees have a lot of questions about. Obviously, I need to build a team to succeed at this model. How do I build the right team? How do I hire the right people? So, you know, what does your process look like for bringing on the right talent and how do you vet them? What are you looking for? Obviously, you mentioned core values. But can you can you dive a little deeper? Yeah, I mean, the first thing, if we're talking about candidates that work for our company, uh, whether it's employees that work, you know, in our locations, um, we always start with core values first here. So we're looking to see that uh, this particular candidate, you know, models some of our core values. So like one of our core values is teamwork, right? If you work in a restaurant or you work in any type of business, it's all teamwork. So we kind of start there. And then when we hire... Um, and let's say you're hired on in one of our locations, we have a very uh, very solid training learning path that you go through to be trained. It's e-learning, it's leader-led activities. So our goal, uh, my background is in training and development before I started in franchising. My goal is to build a learning path for a new hire to get them proficient as soon as possible and, and decrease the speed you know, so they can learn quickly and, and be able to be proficient in their job. So we have a pretty good training program that helps helps do that for for anybody within the system. When we look for franchise operators, you know, there's certain things you have to look for, you know, liquid, you know, uh, net worth and things like that. But we really try to like um, understand if they share some of the same values that we have too, because it just makes it easier. And then when we incorporate our franchise partners into our our, our we'll call our development process. We have them come visit our locations. We have them talk to other operators. We just want to make sure it's a good fit. There's nothing worse than having somebody buy a business that they kind of regret later. And we try to help minimize a lot of those steps and that risk, you know, through our process of selecting franchisees. So, yeah, it's important. 
Yeah, I, I would rather someone not buy a franchise, at least through me, right? <laughs> then they get into a business that yeah. they hated, that's that's the wrong fit for them, and they're wondering, oh my gosh, why did I do this? Um, so yeah, I'm I'm right on board with you there. Yeah. So what about like what are some of the main challenges that you guys face getting this up and running? Because I think you know a lot of people with any business, any industry, I don't care what it is, there's obviously going to be challenges, and I think people love hearing the real deal. Like, what is it like to start a business? What's it going to be like growing it? Obviously, the franchisees are not going to have to go through nearly the <laughs> trial and error and blood, sweat, and tears that I'm sure you had to go through to get the concept up and running. But I think it's helpful to hear some of these stories so people can almost inoculate themselves against what kind of challenges and adversity they're going to face. So what kind of challenges do you guys face? Yeah, I mean, not as a franchisee, but as a, as a franchisor and a founder, um, you know, the first challenge you're going to face is, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of hours you have to put in, right? It's it's no longer a nine to five position. You know, once you step away, um, it's a lot of hours. Um, it's a lot of problem solving. So you're always consistently trying to solve problems and mitigate those issues. Um, you're always trying to innovate. You always have a new idea. I've got a hundred new ideas a week, but only can do like five of them. So then you have to figure out ways to prioritize your focus and your effort. Um, the hard part, too, is you, you have to figure out how to build uh, a culture in your organization as you hire new people that support your vision and, and your core values. Um, I think we've, we've done a great job with that here. and We've hired the right people. And we've got great leaders in our company that can help support that. Um, when, you're, when you're growing a business, um, you know... It, there's financial risk too. I mean, it's not like you're getting a regular paycheck all the time and, you know, you have to kind of figure that out as well. And, um, there's, there's trade-offs, you know, I mean, I, you know, when I, when I started out running a restaurant and I, I used, I was a management consultant, you know, I had the weekends off, you know, now it's every weekend, you know, trying to operate a business. So there's a lot of those things that you, you're probably not ready for until you step into it. Um, but the hardest part I think is you gotta, you gotta persevere. You gotta keep pushing forward. And you, you can't, you can't give up because if you give up, then, you know, you got to do something else. So, and sometimes when you, you think you can't go any further, you, you, you get a breakthrough and you're like, I did this, we, we got this goal. And then you go to the next level. So it's, it's always that it's, it's always uncertainty. It's always solving problems, but it's really rewarding because you're your own boss. You, you make your own decisions, but you know, it's, it's a lot of work. So no doubt, no doubt. So you guys right now, I think, have... Uh, did you say you have 18 open or 18 sold? No, 18 open. I think we're at uh, just over 65 in development. So, Oh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I got to open 15 more stores this year that are signed, signed leases. So it's been... Uh, <laughs> I, I have to look at a spreadsheet now. I, I, I don't remember them all. And I haven't been to a few yet. <laughs> so. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, the reason I asked was because I was going to ask about some of the most common mistakes. Obviously, your your franchisees are relatively young franchisees in the system. Um, but what are some of the top mistakes you see some of these early franchisees making that are entirely avoidable and that if you were to coach the new generation of your franchisees or just franchisees in general, you would say, hey, these are like the top three things you should probably avoid doing? Yeah, I think the, the first thing uh, you want uh, potential franchisees, you know, to kind of keep, keep an eye out for is just to really understand what you're getting into from a business standpoint. So if you're trying to select a franchise, making sure you understand the financial requirements, 
making sure you understand, you know, what it's going to be like to operate that business. You know, is it all weekends? Is it daytime? So I think that's the first thing that um, we try to do a good job of, of sort of vetting out and explaining that. But that's something that just understanding what it's like to get invested in that brand is really important. Um, the second thing is um, when you join a franchise system, there's, there is a reason why we call it a system. There's systems and processes and training. Um, and, and those can always be improved upon, and we do the same. But if you're joining a system, um, the best way is to learn those processes, learn what the system recommends. And then if you have suggestions for improvement, then provide those. But don't think that, um, you know, if you're going to buy a restaurant, you're going to come up with your own menu. You know, we, we've done that for you and we've, we've analyzed it. We've, we've got better data than you probably have. Um, so really realizing that a franchise is about operating a, an existing business with, with systems. What we try to do, which I think is really good, is we have a way for franchisees to submit ideas that they have. So if they have an idea or an innovation, they can scan a QR code, submit the idea, it goes into our, to our executive team and we look at it. But it, we may not implement it, but it helps us to make the brand better. So there is a, a, a way for franchisees to submit ideas to us um, at, at all levels. Even even frontline workers can do that. And then the third thing I think that I think that we've seen some mistakes um, is some of the f- franchisees they want to move faster than they probably should. You know, they they get their first location open. Um, we want to make sure that that's stabilized. They're they're you know they're being getting profitable there. Sometimes they're already thinking about their second and third location a little too quickly. We just want to make sure they can get their get the operation you know complete their first location before they go to the second and third locations. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, area development agreements, um, like three packs. We've done a, a one ten pack, and we try to give a lot of space in between locations to give them time to open and and get their operation operation stabilized. We don't keep those those time frames really short for them so um the fourth thing i know that you just asked for three uh is real estate uh real estate takes time and um you should never rush your real estate decision i mean that's the most important decision you're going to make if it's a brick and mortar type of operation so take your time with real estate do your research use the analytics that the franchisor may have but don't rush the real estate decision ever just because you're in a hurry to open a business (laughs) Yeah, no, the real estate component is huge. I mean, w- that we hear the old cliche all the time, but location, 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 right? I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you found this to be true, but something I've heard from other people in the industry, they've said, look, you can have an A operator, but if it's in a C location, the, 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 the output might not be, you know, quite as much as what you might have expected. And you could have a C operator in an A location and, you know, maybe you're not like a top performing franchisee, but maybe you do better than you would otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so location does matter, I guess, is what I'm saying. And um, and so that is critical. And with real estate and construction and renovation, I know that if you don't do it in the right order of operations, if you do it in the wrong order, right, then you could have costly mistakes and have to go and redo something. I mean, has has that happened, or how, you know, what? How do you avoid that? Well, I think what we try to do, we're not going to, um, so we're a growing brand. If you're a really large brand, you don't get as much handholding, I guess, that we provide at Tapville to our franchisees. You know, we're, we're growing brands. So we, we work closely with them. We do weekly calls, um, with all of our operators, but we're not going to, um, let them get in trouble. We're not going to let them sign a location that's bad because we don't want that. So Larger brands, sometimes they lose control of where they go and they over, you know, they put too many locations in a territory, but we're at a point where we don't want that to happen. 
So we're going to not let somebody get in trouble and, and choose the wrong location if we wouldn't do it ourselves. I always look at it, would I invest in this business or not? Because I, I own a franchise myself, one of the Tapville locations. But um, we try to prevent that. And we do that through a lot of different ways. We've got great data analytics. We use cell phone data. There's a lot of ways to, to see if a location would work. But you're absolutely right. If you have a bad location, it doesn't matter how good of an operator you are, nobody's coming. So, um, so location is really important. But I also have to say that with real estate, particularly in brick and mortar, it does take time to find the right location in some markets. We're working on a, a project down in Orlando. We've been looking for a location, the right location for a year. There's a lot of bad locations. They're easy to find. But a good location that does take time. So you have to take some time in that real estate site selection. So, Yeah, it's, it's critical. Yeah, it's, it's better to wait for the right one than rush into something. And you don't want to be overeager. And, and try to do. And I love that you guys give them the, the franchise, uh, the franchisees, the opportunity to, you're not pressuring them saying, look, here's the development schedule. You need to open up, you know, the first one by this time. And then the second one by this time. I mean, I'm sure you do give them a, a schedule, but you give them, it sounds like a looser schedule than some more aggressive franchisors who are like, no, 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 no. I want to get them open. I want to get them open. And sometimes that's detrimental to the franchisee yeah. because then they feel that pressure to open up. And then maybe they do end up signing a lease for a wrong location, and then it just totally stunts their growth and, and hurts them. You're exactly right. And you know when you're when you're an emerging franchise brand, you have to make really good decisions up front. And larger brands can absorb bad locations, you know. And unfortunately, the franchisee pays for it. But for us, we, we don't want to take those risks when we're growing. And and we we say no to a lot of locations. There's a lot of bad locations available. I'll tell you that. So especially right now. So. A lot of bad locations. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, look, and that's a great case to be made for why work with an emerging brand, right? Because a lot of people might think hey, it's not quite as developed. Maybe they're, you know, whatever, whatever people say, right? I think that there's a, a great case to be made when it comes to emerging brands because you do get that special handholding. Mm -hmm. And the first several franchisees that are brought on, you know, you, you need to make them successful because if they're not, it's going to be hard to sell additional franchises and bring initial people on board. And you do get that additional handhold and you do get that additional attention. And like you said, a McDonald's or whoever, right? You know, whoever. not to pick on McDonald's, yeah. but, but they can, but they can, they can absorb, they can absorb that location. But at the end of the day, it's the franchisee that pays that cost with you guys. You know, you, you want to continue to grow and you want the story and you want happy franchisees. And so you're committed to that. So I think that anyway, I think that there's a, there's a case to be made that, you know, for the right kind of person, Emerging brands present a great opportunity, especially because of territory availability and, and everything else also. But, you know, do you want the Orange Theory Fitness before it was the Orange Theory Fitness or today when they're sold out? You're exactly right. And um, I mean, imagine I've got uh, location number three, the franchisee, he texts me and we're still like, we talk regularly just because not everybody has my, my phone number in the system anymore. Um but like I still text them all the time too on the weekends and stuff. So who, who would be able to do that in a larger brand? You're going to text the CEO of you know whatever brand and, and see how he's doing on the weekend. Right. So it's 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 kind of cool when you're part of an emerging brand. Plus, we've had some amazing ideas from franchisees that have come out of you know their ideas that we implemented, and it's helped grow the brand. I mean, cost savings ideas, product ideas. So, it, you know, one of our core values is entrepreneurship. And you would think entrepreneurship is, um, is, a, is, a, is a core value that you want franchisees to have. But a lot of brands don't want entrepreneurs. They want people just to follow their 
their systems. But we we kind of uh, we look as the, at our franchise system as they're entrepreneurs, and if they have ideas, let's see how we can implement them. So, um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of our philosophy that we've learned, and, and we're new, but um, but you know I think there is something to say about emerging brands and the, the amount of uh, support you can get from them as as they're growing. So. For sure. Yeah. And the fact that you guys are willing to take feedback and ideas from franchisees is is huge. I mean, the Happy Meal was a was the creation of a franchisee at McDonald's. That was an idea, right? So that you guys have a system, not just for the franchisees, but also for the employees, I think is just, it's a good idea. It's smart. And I think a lot of people, when they think franchising, they think it's super bureaucratic. And like you said, sometimes it very much can be like that. And you should definitely follow the blueprint first and how the franchisor has laid it out because that's what you're paying for. Yeah. But but it is nice that there is a way that you can participate in helping to develop and grow the brand and improving its systems. And I think that you guys are very forward in, in doing that. So kudos to you guys. Yeah. Love what you guys have built. Um, before we wrap up, do you, anything you want to leave the audience with in terms of advice, um, in terms of choosing a franchise brand or yeah. um, anything at all? Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, with my experience in franchising, it's a great way to own your own business. It's a w- great way to give you freedom and, and pursue something that you, you know, you're passionate about. Um, I would just say, you know, if you're selecting a brand, you know, try to select one that aligns with your passions and then really try to do your due diligence um, before signing a franchise agreement. Really understand what it's going to be like to be part of that system, what it's like on a day-to-day basis. Ask to speak to some franchisees that are already in the system, um, in, in the FDD that you'll receive, there's a list of them, call them, um, go visit some locations, really try to understand before you make that decision. Cause, uh, you know, a franchise agreement's a long-term agreement and, uh, you just want to make sure that before you sign that you've done all your, your homework and it's the right fit for you. So other than that, that's, that's my advice, you know, for, for your, your listeners. So I love it. You got to make sure you go on a few dates before you marry, right? <laughs> That makes sense. Well, cool. hey, man, uh, Joseph, this has been awesome. I know that there's a tremendous amount of value in here for just learning about your concept, but also in terms of how to run and grow a business and scale a franchise. So uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Everyone check out Tapfill, uh, amazing growing franchise. And if you'd like our help, you know, me, Dan, you want our help finding the right franchise opportunity for you, uh, hit us up you know, at franchisefounders at gmail.com. Uh, more than happy to help you out. Um, and then other than that, give us a, a like or a share us, subscribe, give us a review, all that good stuff. And it helps us to grow and continue to let people know how awesome franchising is and, and continue to build uh, upon that. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. See you on the next episode and hope you have a fantastic one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.